You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, bright and brilliantly buoyant brain buffs. <laughs> Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode eight, and of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and along with me is our freaky faction of fact-fancying fanatics, our co-host <laughs> contestants. I'm Colin. Dana. And I'm Chris. Woo! All right. Yay. I'm just going to start the show with a, a couple of weird headlines uh, I read this week, and here, here are the exact headlines. Number one, Fed's Puzzle. How to remove frozen cows from Colorado cabin. Oh, I read about what? that. I read you that did? story. I did. I, I have some detail on that. Yeah. So uh, these, I, and I guess this is not uncommon, but these cows, it's a frozen cabin, um, like, a, like a temporary hunting lodge up in the mountains. And the cows oh. walked in there seeking shelter, froze to death, and then there's just like this mass of frozen cow in there. So basically, oh, wow. the, the, I guess the common way of doing this is with explosives. So they're what? Yes. They're <laughs> pondering whether to remove the cows with explosives. Okay. Oh. First of all, how is this not a reality television show? <laughs> Cow exploders. <laughs> Cow blasters. Only on the uh, History, History Channel. Channel. Coming soon. <laughs> so the big threat of why this is such a big deal is because uh, they're scared that uh, the cow bodies will decompose yeah. and uh, oh. sink into <gasps> the earth and pollute yeah. the springs, the, 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 ground, water. the water, water table. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah. So it'd be cow germs or rot- right, rotting right, cow right. germs. Rotting cow germs in your uh, in your water. You got That's why you got to get one of the Brita filters. It's ju- <laughs> it's just good sense. <laughs> <laughs> and the other uh, weird weird headline is. <clears throat> Man accused of getting his dog drunk on vodka. So this guy is charged, and you know, rightfully so, yeah. well, uh, for giving his Pomeranian. Oh, so it's a small dog. Yeah, oh. a to-go cup of vodka. What's a to-go cup? Like a coffee like cup? A coffee cup. Yeah, like so. It's not like okay. like a little dish or anything. It's okay. like it's actual oh, cup. That's not right. And the, oh. isn't that, that that's nuts? And I think the dog. They noticed that the dog. They described uh, couldn't walk in a straight line and <laughs> couldn't, like couldn't drive a car. Couldn't say the alphabet backwards. <laughs> yeah. The dog's like, okay. listen, man, I love you <laughs> so much. And the, Why don't we play fetch anymore? <laughs> I thought I was your best friend. <laughs> Now, I mean, maybe, okay, are there extenuating circumstances? Did the dog just lose his job? (laughs) (laughs) So, Arlie, Arlie the second is the dog's name, and its blood alcohol level was at 0.34%, which is four times the limit for driving. And almost at the level that is fatal to I, humans. Yeah, I have a question. Again, I would not how, how put that the, dog behind the wheel of a car. I wonder how you right. get the dog to blow in the breathalyzer. How are they measuring? <laughs> what is this? Poor doggy. Man. So, yeah, this guy is is um. Is he being charged charges. with, like, animal abuse? Or? Yep. Oh. Animal cruelty. Well, so, also uh, the dog was a minor too. So. <laughs> oh man! Oh god, it's worse. So I feel I feel bad because like obviously I love dogs and I'm like this is horrible, but at the same yeah. time it's like bizarrely funny. Yeah, like it doesn't seem uncommon. Funny. Like you can what? imagine people, drunk people, finding this is a funny thing to do. Drunk. Why not? What? We're having now, a good time. Is, how was the dog? Yeah. The, the dog is alive. Oh, okay. The okay. dog is fine. All right, yeah. good. Well, and now, now it's fine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With a really bad hangover. Mm-hmm. All right, and Dana, you have uh, some quick news. 
Oh, I wanted to say thank you to everybody who downloaded T-Rex Tea Party. Um, yeah. We promoted yeah. last week on the advertisement show. Really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. There were a couple little um, bugs, but we have a patch being processed right now for Apple. So that should be out within the next couple of days. Awesome. Thanks so much. Right. Really so if you it. haven't downloaded Dana's game on uh, available on iPad and iPhone, it is T Rex Tea Party. Check it out. Very fun. All of us kind of help too. So yeah. they're on the leaderboard. See if you could take them down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm number one right now. Oh Ooh. snap! Okay, here we go. Let's start the show with our general trivia quiz segment. Pop quiz, hot shot. And here we go. Get your barnyard buzzers ready, everybody. Okay. Blue wedge. What U.S. state is home to the Women's Rights National Historical Park? Ooh. Hmm. Colin. I'm going to guess New York. You are correct. Nice. I just, I know that like a lot of the early suffrage oh, movement yeah. was based in New York. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Seneca Falls. Seneca. Well, oh, that's, 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 that's where the go. thing, yeah, yep. the convention yes. was. Oh, uh, okay. Look at that. Yeah. Very good. You got it the right way. Yes. That's good. <laughs> I reasoned it out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Pink Wedge. In his 2009 Golden Globe acceptance speech, who did Mickey Rourke single out with a special thank you? Oh, I try to remember. It was somebody. Oh, God, I remember when this happened. I cannot. I cannot recall. And and he won obviously for the wrestler. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm like Dana Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Incorrect. Chris? Classy Freddy Blassie. <laughs> no. Uh, he Raising thanked Ramon. his dogs. Oh. Uh, both his dogs from past and present. Wow. Do you know he's a big mm. dog that They lover. always believed uh. in him. Yeah. Okay, Yellow Wedge. Who was the first pope to enter a mosque? Oh. Oh, that was Chris. He was alive forever. I'm going to say John Paul II. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense because part of his thing was just building bridges and you know really building ties with other major religions. Sure. That makes yeah. sense. Yep. And a uh, purple wedge. Who began a trilogy with the girl with the dragon tattoo? Oh, Colin. sorry, I buzzed in a little early, but no, I think no, I think we all know it's Steak Larson. Steak <laughs> Larson. All right, green wedge for science. Which of these? Uh, multiple answer is a. Scientific term for the sleep you might wake up in your eyes. Oh. Is that groom, plume, mm. room, or shloom? Wait, the wait, sleep wait. you might wake up in your eyes? Yeah, that's like how it's worded. The, the, they mean like the sandy, like, oh, you, like you rub the sleep the out of your eyes. Yes. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, read them all again. <laughs> groom, plume, room, or shloom? Chris. <laughs> room. Correct. What a weird Where did room. it come from, though? It just said room. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Trivia Person. Is it person. R -O -O -M, or? It's uh, R-H-E-U-M. Yeah, like oh. rheumatic. Interesting. Huh. That's 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 kind of what I was thinking, yeah. yeah. Huh. All right. Rheumatism. <laughs> Orange wedge. I thought it might be shmoom like schmegma or something. Like, <laughs> like, like Dana, gross a, cred. This, this is a family show. It's not, it's not explicit. <laughs> <laughs> moving right, right, moving right along. along. Yeah, moving, moving on. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it's moving right along to a better place or not. Because, uh, <laughs> Orange Wedge, what brand of gum used the slogan, the gum that goes squirt? Whoa. Oh. 
So there was gum. Right. I don't know it, but it's... It, no, 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 no. There was gum that actually had, like, juice yeah, inside yeah, a little of liquid the gum. Center. And you'd bite into it, and it would squirt in your, in your mouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like a McGriddle. Um, pass. Like a McGriddle? <laughs> you, you bust Sorry. in, and you're it's, like, it's it's, it's it's <laughs> yeah, you... Juicers. Um, the gum that goes squirt. <laughs> I cannot remember. It's I can so, picture the commercials. Like, I can picture the commercials. I feel like this would be a pretty memorable tagline, but like yeah. none of us remember. <laughs> it is freshen up. Oh, oh that's okay. not so it might be some oh. sort of mouthwash. Yeah. No, I guess. Oh, that's yeah. I guess we're wrong. I, I can. I know what the package looks like because I do enjoy that gum. <laughs> 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 I have been known to enjoy that gum <laughs> on occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Freshen up. All right, and we have our uh, Kickstarter backer questions. This one is from Alfreda Lara from Chicago. Oh, what a weird question. His question is, what is a group of unicorns known as? Colin. I'm going to say unicornicopia. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's only if they're in a basket. <laughs> I, think that is, I think that is better than the real answer, Chris. A rainbow of unicorns. <laughs> Incorrect. Dana, you want to take a stab? I don't know. A fable. Oh. Ooh, that is good. very poetic. That's good. Uh, the answer is blessing. A blessing, a blessing of, unicorns. of unicorns. I mean, who's the what's the, what's the authority on <laughs> the I know, yeah. unicorn? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call baloney on this. Like, who comes up with <laughs> the blessing, answer of blessing, a blessing, of unicorns. A blessing of unicorns? Blessing. Okay. Rolled eyes of unicorns. Right. Rolled eyes of unicorns. Uh, what about a business of unicorns? Yeah. <laughs> I always like that. It's a business of raccoons. Murder of unicorns. Oh, murder of unicorns. Oh, crow murder. Oh, that murder of unicorns. Oh, how about a miracle Ooh. of unicorns? Huh? Huh? All right, and uh, our second backer question is from Jake Jensen from uh, British Columbia, Canada, and this is a video game question, so we should all we should all get this. What was the first PC video game to only be available on CD-ROM and not floppy disk? Oh, Colin, was it Quake? Incorrect. You say I'm supposed to get this, but this is tough. Mm. Yeah. Only on CD-ROM and not floppies. <sighs> Something with a lot of graphics. Chris. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Incorrect. <laughs> you know, I would have guessed Mist. No, Because that was no. kind of the... the... Mist, was, Mist was like the uh, killer app for yeah. CD-ROM. It was what made people run out and buy CD-ROM yeah. because it was so amazing. But there were CD-ROM games fir- beforehand. Oh, uh, so... Wait, can I throw out a few okay, early go. CD-ROM games? Uh-huh. Okay, Mario is missing. Nope. Not Sherlock Holmes. Uh, geez, I don't know. I don't know what game. It is the seventh guest. Oh, oh I remember that, that one. the first one? Mm-hmm. Oh, Holy cow. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Released oh, in April 1993. Yeah. Com- yeah. Comp so. USA. Go down there and get yep. it from the store. Yep. So Jake uh, wrote in and he <laughs> said, uh, I was obsessed with this game and its music and still feel that it has one of the best video game soundtracks of all time. And it was released when he was in eighth grade and it cost him $90. Whoa, he got ripped off. And it totally put, it could be Canadian. Could be Australian, yeah. Uh, And uh, definitely the seventh guest put uh, his uh, tray-loaded single-speed CD-ROM drive to the test. Oh, you mean mean the cup holder. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, seventh guest, first CD-ROM only. That's a good one, yeah. The first are always awesome trivia. All right, good job, everybody's brains. Uh, time for our topic of the week. And today, it's all about 
superstitions, and good luck charms. The silver dog, rabbit's foot on a string. The happiness in your warm caress, no rabbit's foot can break. Come on and be my little good luck charm. Well, I mean, that's that's essentially what it is, right? I mean, the word superstition, it's it's a belief in supernatural causation, right? I mean, that's what it is boiled down to the belief that if you do something, that it will cause something else to happen by some process. That has nothing to do with the physical world. With no right? reason. Well, supernatural. Or, or prevent something from happening. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, Warding yeah. off certain things. Yeah, yeah but that's yeah. a causatory yeah. cause and effect. It's, it's a belief in cause and effect that you can't actually that you can't measure. Explain. Yeah, right. Right, right. So right. I want to start out by asking you guys if there are any superstitions that you you yourself actually follow. I mean, we hear yeah. about, you know, like, uh, four-leaf clovers and horseshoes and, mm-hmm. and, you know, cracks on the sidewalk. But what are some that you actually notice or realize that you, you actually do follow or quote practice I, it's funny I, I mean I like to think of myself as a pretty rational empirically minded person so I was I was struggling to think of, of a superstition that I really uh, follow I think I think the closest one for me is a sports superstition which at least in America is probably one of the most accepted kinds of superstitions is related to sports mm-hmm. so what do you do well so I'm a big uh, I grew up in Los Angeles so I'm a uh, Los Angeles Lakers fan uh, which makes me very unpopular with a lot of other uh, <laughs> basketball fans uh-huh. but uh, so I'm a Lakers fan even though I'm living in the Bay Area so when the Lakers are in the NBA NBA finals when they're in the championships I have a Lakers hat that I wear and I'll wear it every game day that they're playing and I've been doing this for uh, <laughs> over over a decade now hoping they would win hoping that they would win and it's I mean you know the Lakers colors are purple and gold so it's a little bit of a garish hat mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they've won championships five out of the seven years that I've been doing this mm, it's Colin yeah, yeah it's clearly me <laughs> right, right, right yeah. though these those sorts of things can be a self-fulfilling prophecy right especially so Tyler Hinman previous guest here on on, uh, on Good Job Brain, right? Uh, I believe he is at every crossword puzzle tournament he has competed in has worn the shirt that he wore the mm. year that he won, the uh, first one that, yeah. that he won. So, you know, and when you do that, you give yourself that confidence, right? If you kind of like yeah. have this this totem, like they tell people, use one pen in your classrooms when you're taking notes and use the same pen on your test because that pen has only ever written the correct answers. <laughs> so, you know, stuff like yeah. that, that actually can, they're probably is a yeah. effect on you if you if you believe that that sort of positive effect. I think I mean definitely anything that makes you more comfortable or more f- familiarized with the process you're going right. to perform yeah. better right yeah. however <laughs> the Lakers do not know you're wearing no. the hat so there's no effect there well right. I keep sending them videos every year <laughs> okay alright well then that's super alright it's just you with the hat and nothing else on whoa <laughs> <laughs> it has Pictures a different effect goodjobbring.com <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of superstitions <laughs> so if I go through a light and it's yellow it's a it hasn't turned red yet. I'm not breaking the law. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. I, I like you kiss your fingers and then you touch the ceiling of the mm, car. A like, lot of people do that. Yeah. yeah. Is it to keep it from turning red? Is that or just? Um, I feel like it's like. I sneaked by right here. You're thanking so the God. It's good luck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My mom said it's for good karma. Uh. <laughs> 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 like, I was like, I don't think that's how karma works. Like, it's a different show. So but. this this raises the question: Did you get it from your mom? 
No, I think oh. I got it in college, and I don't even notice myself doing it. It's only when I'm driving other people around. They're like, "What are you, what are you doing?" doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I feel like I'm bragging too much, or I'm I'm talking about good fortune. Like I have to knock wood because I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm about to jinx myself." Mm. Things are going great. Knock wood. <laughs> like, uh-huh. oh no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. So I have, uh, I I grew up in Asia, so I have a whole bunch of them. But this is. This is a a weird one um, and very specific. It's it's related to some Chinese dog superstitions that I uh, uh, air quote practice uh-huh. uh, since I was a kid, and, and it's weird. And I I was trying to research and trying to justify and verify these beliefs you know, online, but it, it's like folklore. Something yeah. you, you never know where they come from. Um, so maybe you can uh, file this under stuff my mom used to tell me, but it totally could be nonsense. <laughs> But regardless, so there's a belief that uh, having a dog with rear dew claws and dew claws that like that extra toe. Oh, okay. And oh, not, the one the one that's like halfway like up the, the leg. Right? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. a couple inches above the the paw, and uh, it's on their hind legs. And not all dogs have it, but the dogs who who do have it, um, is believed to have to bring good luck. And the reason is because uh, the belief is that those dogs are kind of like, mm, how do I describe this? It's like the quintessential version of, of a dog, mm. like the loyal hound archetype. And it's, it's like all the essence of the, the greatest qualities of a dog of can be found dog-ness. on dogs. With, yeah, the dogness, okay. the <laughs> essence of dog. Oh, oh de dog, oh de chien. And uh, dogs with dew claws are considered, the rear dew claws are considered being really loyal and good luck. When I moved here to America, um, it's a common procedure for vets to take them off. Wow. Might get stuck, might be, you know, might get infected. It's just because it's, it's just skin. It's not any, it's not real, uh, connected it's like to stigil, bone. right? Yeah. Exactly. And so when I adopted my, my first dog here, um, who has rear dew claws, the vet's like, oh, I can, I can use surgery and take them off. And I was like, no, are you crazy? <laughs> dog anymore. What are you doing? Are you kidding me? This is like the You're best kind of dog. I, I think that the vet is just hoarding all the dew claws to yeah. himself. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Making them into necklaces. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's scotch taping them onto other dogs. Oh. Oh. Now you'll be he's like a, oil. a modern day bluebeard. He's got the yeah. closet full of dew claws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's, just, no, he's just got one dog with dew he's more dew claw than dog at this point yeah i know yeah <laughs> to believe that it'll ascend into some sort of oh, yeah. dog yeah, yeah, god yeah. your veterinarian is a horrible person <laughs> i'm just saying that right now this guy's sick so um so there is i tried to think because i'm i'm you know it in in no way superstitious but the one thing that i make sure to do that would be considered a, a superstition but then i had there is a rational basis for doing this as well is that when you are in asian countries uh and you're eating rice out of a bowl or you're eating with chopsticks in general you do not ever and people you know westerners do this a lot you don't just take the chopsticks and leave them in the bowl of rice oh, you don't right. just stick them right into the bowl and leave them there right. and the reason that you don't do this is they they do this at funerals it's actually it's reminiscent if you look at it first of all people have suggested that they don't do it because it's reminiscent of, of burning incense sticks at funerals right, because they're burned kind of straight up at funerals uh but then also typically they will leave a bowl of rice uh with with chopsticks in it you know for the deceased at 
at a, a grave site. So for one of those reasons, or possibly both of those reasons, when you're eating, you put your chopsticks in front of the bowl or on top of the bowl. You never stick them in there and leave them there. And the reason I don't do it is because it freaks people out and it reminds them. It's not because you believe it. It's not because I believe it. It's because A, it freaks people out and B, it reminds them of death. And yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah. It's like you don't do something that reminds people of the ritual for death. Now, right. some people superstitiously would say that if you do something that reminds you of death or a funeral, you're inviting death in, yeah. you know, sort of reverse causation. Like if you do something that you typically do at a funeral, you're saying, hey, death, I'm ready for you. Come on in. Let's hang out. <laughs> yeah. you know? or, right. I'm cool um, eating with ghosts. Yeah. So, why don't yeah. <laughs> right. so, so you essentially don't do that. Now, the other, there was something else involving um, noodles that my fiance Regina uh, told me that she had a boyfriend in college who was a white guy and he would make ramen. When you eat long noodles, long noodles symbolize long life. Uh-huh. And so when you're eating these long noodles, it's about having a long, long life. And what he would do is he'd get the package of ramen, he'd make the ramen, and then he'd smash up the whole thing. You know, and break apart all the noodles into little tiny pieces and eat them with a spoon, like soup. Yeah. You know, because white people, huh? So, um, <laughs> and she would freak and she'd just be like, no, what are you doing? You're, you're chopping up your life. Like, you're going <laughs> to die. Because she had, I mean, she really had all of these things, you know, kind of like you. Instilled, yeah. Instilled mm-hmm. upon her, like superstitions from soup to nuts, instilled upon her by her by her very Asian, you know, parents. You can't <laughs> yeah. do this, you can't do that, this is bad, this is bad, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. Right. The other thing is, I actually found out doing research for the chopsticks thing, um, you don't pass food between chopsticks. Like, you don't take food in chopsticks and oh, pass it over it to someone first. else and somebody else takes it. Yeah, you know mm. why? Mm-mm. It's hard. Super hard. My mom said that too. No, at cremations, uh, they when they cremate the yep. body and the bones are left over, like in the ashes, the family members use chopsticks together. And, like, I'll use chopsticks on one part of it and you use chopsticks on the other part and we put them into the urn mm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so the only time that you ever have two people having two pairs of chopsticks on something is at funerals. So, again, to do that, if people see you doing that, it reminds right, them right, of right. a very painful time. They're also so you very... don't want to do that at the, at the table. As you said, they're very auspicious behaviors. You don't want to you, you call attention to the to the <laughs> bad fortune on these kind of things. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's weird to talk about cremation and food like in the same little section. Uh-huh. And I see why you shouldn't talk about death and food. I almost threw up when you were so <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. So it, many of these... Put soup, it in your soup. Like as, we're gonna, as we're going to find out as you, as you keep researching like why the superstitions exist, they exist... There's a reason. Like, there's an actual reason why they exist, and a lot of it has to do with, like, taboos about death and, and, and uncleanliness, right? Mm-hmm. But then, as that taboo kind of goes away, you're just left with the behavior. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the behavior is like, we don't do that. Why? Because. We just because don't. Uh, bad luck. <laughs> and obviously, a lot of these things are, are passed down from, from parents or from families or from cultures, and we see a lot of superstitions in the professional world, mm, right. just from the trade, from the old craftsmanship mm-hmm. uh, passing down. And uh, we have a couple examples. I found that in gourmet cuisine kitchen culture, you cannot whistle. Hmm. Whistling is not allowed. Not only is it bad luck, um, it's also disrespectful. And the reason is, and obviously I don't know if this is confirmed sure. by this folktale re- reason, um, during the French Revolution, when Marie Antoinette was, you know, heading to the guillotine and getting beheaded, all of her staff, including the kitchen staff, all got executed as well. 
And so when they're walking their way to the guillotine, people would cheer and whistle mm. as they're on their death march. And so the, the custom of whistling in the kitchen, especially in a French, French kitchen, makes people super, super duper nervous. Hmm. Huh. It's not allowed. Yeah, whistling is actually, you're not supposed to whistle when you are doing a play. When you are doing a, a theatrical performance, you're not supposed to whistle. That's unless you're... Bad luck, unless you're, you know, if you're on stage or off stage or walking on you stage or whistle. hanging around. No, no, no. no you, well, I mean, yeah, if you have to whistle, I guess you whistle. But, <laughs> but, like, you're not supposed to just sort of idly be whistling, uh, and it's considered bad luck. Now, the reason why is because back in the day, the people that they would hire to rig the theater were actually, it's, the reason it's called rigging, it's because it's the riggers of ships. They right. would get yeah. riggers of ships to come in and rig the curtains oh. up and all that kind of stuff in the theater. And the way that they would communicate to each other, letting each other know what to do, was to whistle, was to do certain whistles, which would be like, okay, mm-hmm. well, time to you know close this down or take this up or change the set. And you don't want to mess them up. Yeah. You don't want to mess them up. So you're not supposed to be whistling because they're going to misinterpret that. And then, if, and then again, as the coded whistle system of uh, swapping scenes out for plays <laughs> became passive, uh, it just became, you know, oh, don't do it. Why? Well, you know, bad luck. Yeah, yeah and there's, whatever. And there's and there's a lot more actually in the theater. You know, I did plays in high school, and so very quickly you're introduced um, to you know all of the different theater superstitions. Yeah, one of them um, I heard, and and from Good Job Brain uh, Twitter and Facebook followers, they mentioned you cannot mention Macbeth right. Right. when oh. you're referring to the play Macbeth. It's, you cannot yeah. say like Macbeth, the, the Scottish, the play. Scottish play. Right. Which, and quite <laughs> frankly, we're doing a production of something right now, which means we really shouldn't even be saying it. <laughs> so. Oh, weird. There's, that one, there's, that's there's people listening at home going, that, yeah. why are you saying this? You're all going Sorry. to die. If you some wood, I think it'll be okay. okay let's yeah, cancel okay. it. No, well, you know, the, yeah, I mean, it's always, yeah. there's always something you can do to cancel it out. If you say it, you know, they'll make you go outside, spit in a circle, spit on the yes. ground. Do whatever, this little ritual. But, the th- I mean, you know, Macbeth, and people don't really know why you're not supposed to say it, but, you know, it's because, you know, the play, it has, it's, it opens with witches and sorcery, you know, and people in theater are always afraid of ghosts and witchcraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's deathly, but it's supernatural. And so to invoke the name of this play is to invite witches and supernatural behavior to come screw up your play, you know? So it's sort of like saying Beetlejuice three times, right? right? right. Really, I mean, they always will say the Scottish play if they have to refer to Macbeth in the, the M word. production. Yeah. Like, well, I was in a production of the Scottish play. It also makes you seem like you're in and you're cool. You know the, you know, oh, you, you, know can, the lingo. you can't whistle here. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, it's yeah, yeah. it's yeah. the Scottish play, right. okay? And of, course, <laughs> say that right. and of course, everybody knows yeah. you, you don't say Good luck right. in a performance. No, you never wish someone good break, luck. break a leg. You, break a leg. That's where that comes. That's from. why you say break a leg because you don't wish someone because you're jinxing it. If you say good luck, it means it means you're it means jinxing it luck. and they're going to screw up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you say break a leg, which means that like you know a reverse psychology. It's a reverse jinx. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By saying break a leg, you know, like do bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what what other things are are not allowed in in the theater? Well, I can tell you about the the ghost light. Which again, uh, what is I mean, a ghost light? The ghost light is so in a theater. Typically, there will always be a light on stage. Which is a, 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 when when nothing is going on in the theater, they'll have a freestanding light, like a naked a, a bulb, you know, sort of in a tall lamp placed somewhere on stage. Depending on the theater, they they have specific directions where it goes, uh, and it's called the ghost light. 
Um, and so there are various superstition, you know, based reasonings, you know, for, for why it's there. Uh, and, and in fact, both of the, the, the major explanations actually contradict each other because one explanation <laughs> is you put it there so the ghosts don't come onto your stage and start acting out their own plays. The, <laughs> That's cute. The other explanation is you put it there so that the ghosts can come onto your stage while you're not there and act out their own little plays because then that appeases the ghosts of the theater. They can do their own plays and then and then they're going to be nicer to you. Don't scare us. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. The closest thing I could find to an actional rationale is because it's really dangerous to have an unlit stage. Yeah, I think so. So if someone has to walk out onto the stage in the total darkness and like find the lighting boards, they can start turning the actual lights on, they might fall into the orchestra pit and break their neck and right. die. So you want to have a light out there. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's any... Again, I mean, I alluded to this earlier with the sports the sports superstitions that, you know, sports is chock full of superstitions. Oh, yeah. No. And <laughs> again, I mean, you know, as Chris mentioned, a lot of it is because it's the ritual and athletes, you know, are probably the most ritual-oriented people mm-hmm. uh, of any profession. Because it's all about winning. It's, it's all, about winning. Yeah, there's and, some luck there, And too. it's about, yeah, whatever you do, if it works one time, yes. you want to perpetuate that and keep yes. that going. So when you see somebody get into the batter's box and get outside the batter's box and back in and tap the batter's box, in the two three corners and, and take right. the swings. He's not like mathematically making sure he's all well aligned. <laughs> right. He's doing it all because there's it's a ritual. Right. And if you yeah. watch any given ball player, they'll do the same thing each time. And yeah. you know, I mean as you know, as we said, it's not necessarily I mean, this is even the, the greatest athletes in their sports Perhaps part of the reason is that they have these superstitions. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, as I say, I'm a basketball fan and one of my famous, you know, this is a pretty well known in basketball circles that, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, who played for, uh, University of North Carolina in college, uh, he, he wore his UNC shorts underneath his Bulls shorts for his entire playing what? career. His little shorty short, uh, shorts from nice. winning the championship in 1982. Um, and he would wear his Tar Heels, his UNC Tar Heel shorts underneath his Bulls, baggy Bulls shorts for every game. And again, clearly a little bit constricting, uh, not at all. Hey, it didn't stop Jordan. It worked for him. I I don't think it could be more constricting than a jock strap. (laughs) Tiger Woods, you know, uh, a lot of people wore Michael Jordan's uh, (laughs) UNC shorts underneath (laughs) underneath his trousers. They had to trade them off. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's really the schedule gets conflicted some days. Uh, But if you watch golf highlights, you know you'll frequently see Tiger Woods wearing the red shirt, which is you know he wears his red shirt on Sundays, which are the last day of golf tournaments always 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 has worn a red shirt on sundays mm-hmm. um you know it's his dominant color it's his strength color Old, also auspicious in the asian culture very much so mm-hmm. and as you know his mother was uh thai. i believe thai or uh that's right a mix of thai and chinese possibly but she told him once that he is a capricorn and so red is his power color so his power would be the highest at red so he saves it for sundays when he's on the mm-hmm. showdown day and uh, you know also they've done some studies that red can be an intimidating color in, in sports yeah. uniforms baseball just through and through full of superstitions. <laughs> I was reading about uh, some unusual personal practices. Now, you guys know most baseball players wear batting gloves when they're up, right? Mm-hmm. Protect your hands, get a little bit of grip. There are some players who don't wear batting gloves, and they have their own um, unique way of toughening up their hands. They pee on their hands. Oh. <laughs> so a couple big-name players, uh, Moises Alou and uh, Jorge Posada as well, among them, they don't wear batting gloves, and they will, over the course of the season, routinely urinate on their hands they swear it toughens their hands up. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they've convinced themselves of this truth. Yeah. <laughs> Is it superstitious? I there's no there's no scientific evidence that it toughens your hands. Oh. In fact, I came yeah. across a little thing that said actually, if anything, they said that the uh, the urea, the ureic acid, might actually soften your hands. Yeah, hand. works uh. on jelly 
fish bites. Yeah. I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff. This is a, a little bit of a crass thing in baseball, but... Uh, more so than peeing on your own More hand. so than peeing on your wow. own Wow. Uh, you guys know what the uh, a slump buster is? Have you heard of this concept? Um, well, I'm guessing you <laughs> bust a slump. Get yourself out of your well, slump. If yeah. you're in a hitting slump, yes. And the, one of the more common... Is, it poop, is there poop involved? There's no poop involved. Okay, okay. Um, I think it's a groupie thing. Yeah. It is That's related my... to groupies. You're right. Yeah. There's, oh. there's a lore among oh. a lot of baseball players that if you're in a slump, you find... I'm going to put this as diplomatically as I can. You find the most unattractive groupie that you can and have relations with her. And that will no. break you out of your slump. Yeah. Wow. Uh, another slump buster that is just comical was... Uh, do you guys know the ball player Jason Giambi? Um, yeah. He, uh, he has his own personalized slump buster. He is a gold lame thong. That whenever he is in a prolonged uh, hitting slump, he would wear this thong yeah. uh, until he got out of the slump. Wow. What, where it gets even creepier is that he would lend it to other players <laughs> <laughs> if they were in a slump. Now, uh, I can only hope that the team equipment manager washes this thing between you. Yeah. No, no. Uh, you I can, don't know. I can see like, where you're like, oh, I need to feel fancy under my uniform. Like no, Nobody knows what I'm wearing under these pants. <laughs> punishing yourself i think it just brings you into the moment because you can never forget i'm wearing this thong right yeah yeah someone else yep. so you can think about yep. that too uh, so do you guys know uh, in baseball there's the the, the concept of a perfect game yeah mm-hmm. um, oh okay yeah. so, so no one reaches base no one gets a hit and but it just happened it just happened That's really right. it just happened uh, wow. just a couple of days ago philip humber um through the 21st perfect game in mlb history so that should give you an idea of how rare they are Tw- oh. 21 in you know 150 years of baseball history you know if if a pitcher's in the middle of a of a perfect game or no hitter, you don't talk about it. You do not mention it. You know, uh, you don't say it. You don't yeah. say, "Hey, you got a no hitter yeah. going." You know, you don't bring it up. Everybody yeah. knows. Everybody knows, Everybody and knows. you d- and you do not want to be the guy who jinxes it by mentioning it. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes they'll even show the guy, you know, on the bench, you know, between innings. No one sits near him. No one talks to him. You don't yeah. want to look at him. Yeah. You you don't want to be the guy who interrupts yeah. the rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes it don't change anything about the state. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then just one of the more random ones, especially to non-sports fans is in hockey you guys know the the Detroit Red Wings uh, one of the winningest teams of all times when they're in the playoffs for home games fans throw octopus octopi on the ice have you guys ever seen this yes real real actual octopi and it goes back to the 50s these these brothers threw an octopus on the ice and the the lore goes that the eight tentacles represented the eight wins that you needed to win the Stanley Cup at the time and I like that I like that the team knows it's coming Everyone in the ice knows it's going to uh, happen. Do people ever protest when? it? Like animal cruelty? These are dead octopus. They're dead octopus. Yeah, okay. you, you purchase them. They're food. You buy yeah. them. Oh, man. So if you're going to play them, you should like practice being pelted with octopus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of the training yeah. exercises. Yeah. That, I imagine like, like a Rocky-style training montage <laughs> yeah. where the player just getting octopuses yeah. thrown at them. Yeah! <laughs> Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping family road trip trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia. 
every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. So we did do uh, some outreach uh, with our Good Job Brain Twitter followers and, and Facebook likers. They contributed their own weird superstition. Alex Fowler wrote in. He developed his own personal superstition, and uh, it's caused by a, a nightmare he had. And he wrote, when I was a child, after having a recurring nightmare where a green skeleton without a head chased me through my house and tried to eat me, <laughs> I was convinced I would have the same nightmare unless unless I chanted Santa, 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 Santa over and over <laughs> in my head and moved my eyes while closed left, right, up, down, left, right, up, down a, a few times. And he says, why Santa? Why enter cheat codes with my eyes? I may never know. <laughs> but it seemed to work. Oh, good one. Yeah, it's just yeah. a lot of these weird personal <laughs> personal things. And uh, Lindsay Miller from Facebook, she said uh, she'll always skip the 13th stare. When she's hoping for something, she would find herself chanting, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of us well, do that, too. That just works, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, on, on Twitter, uh, Joseph said that he doesn't know if it's OCD or a superstition, but he doesn't step on cracks. And Scott Campbell on Twitter also wrote, always throw spilled salt over the shoulder to the... Right. Which shoulder, though? It's supposed to be left, the left it's one. left shoulder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was trying yeah. to throw salt over the left know. shoulder. I didn't know. Because the devil's back there. Oh, because <laughs> the oh, left sinister. Yeah. Left okay. being the bad. Yeah. And uh, he also doesn't walk under ladders. And so, yeah, a lot of us still have these, like, kind of old school a common superstition. It's like it, they're so weird because it's like where did they where did they come from? A lot. I mean, you mentioned thirteen in particular, and that's a really good one. As trivia nerds, we all know it's triskaidekaphobia. Absolutely, uh, the Greek, an awesome word. Yes, Greek. Wait, from say it again. Triskaidekaphobia. Triskaideka. Yeah. Triskaidekaphobia. Yeah. So Greek tr tris three kai k a i meaning and. Deca, D-E-K-A, 10. 10. Yep. This Dude. one was really interesting. There's so many, I mean, we talked about so many possible explanations for this one mm. um, that it is kind of lost. Uh, it, it seems like the most common origin that people cite has to do with, you know, either the Last Supper. Last Supper, yep. Um, that uh, Judas was, you know, obviously Judas who betrayed Jesus was the 13th to sit at the table. You know, unfortunately, the Bible doesn't mention what order they were seated at the table. Oh. So it's really arbitrary, but certainly seems like the common thread is that 13 is one more than a lot of good harmonious things. Yep. Most likely is that it's just in relation to 12. There are so many, the 12 Olympian gods, there are uh, the, 12, the 12 animals. apostles, the 12 yep. zodiac signs, right. the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, it recurs a lot of places and that 13 kind of upsets the balance. Oh. And also being a, a, an odd number and yes. also a prime number yep. seems kind of out of place. That's right. That's right. There's one story that a lot of people cite. It stems from the Code of Hammurabi, the Babylonian Code where there was no 13th law. And that sounds really, you know, very kind of Dan Brown, mystery exciting. But, <laughs> yeah. but I read I read that really, no, in later editions, they had it in. They had just omitted it by accident in earlier. Oh. <laughs> yeah. For all you math nerds out there, I discovered. Yes, yes, that's me. 13. <laughs> Karen, do you know what an EMERP number is? 
Emerp. Emerp. Sounds familiar. It's prime spelled backwards. Oh. So 13 is the smallest oh. Emerp number, meaning that 31. 13 and 31 are both prime. Oh. oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. And I'm, of course a math E-merp. nerd would come oh up with Emerp number. Yeah. Sounds Nerds. so nerdy. <laughs> Emerps. Certainly, yeah. There's Friday the 13th, and we see it manifesting a lot of ways. You know, a lot of a lot of buildings don't have a yeah. 13th floor. Right. Um, even yeah. even where we live in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There's no 13th Street. And there's no 13th Avenue as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, very closely related is, of course, tetraphobia, fear <laughs> of the number four. Right. Uh, right. Which, of course, is prevalent uh, throughout all of Asia. And it's a lot easier to figure out why there's the fear of the number four, because it's pronounced in Japanese, pronounced she, which is the same way that the word death is pronounced. And, um, and so, and of course, in, in other languages as well. Right, right, Karen? Yes. In Chinese, it is a, so, so death is si, and then the character four is si. And si. Very, yeah. very similar. Bad, very bad homophone. similar. Yeah, is it, exactly. is it bad because of the similarity of words or is just it bad sound. for other Just or, only or sound. sound. It doesn't, the characters yeah. don't even look they alike, look but alike, just but sound. The, but it's the sound. Uh, in, in some buildings uh, in Asia, they will not have uh, a fourth floor, yeah. right? Sometimes they will also not have a 13th floor. floor. Yeah. And sometimes they will not have any floors that even have the number four in them at all. So there may be no 14th floor. Or the entire block of 40s. The entire block of 40s. There are buildings in Shanghai where the floors go from 39 to 50. Right? (laughs) After skipping four and 13. So it's like floor 1, 2, 3, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, 16. (laughs) I would just wonder why they don't just switch to letters at that point. You know, floor A, floor B, floor C. There are housing blocks um, where they number the blocks of of how they're, you know, uh, know, housing gated communities, whatever. Then it's like block one, block two, block three, block three A, block five, block six. Office, uh, office. This was interesting. I came across this. So, you know, Microsoft Office. So after Office 2007, which was Office 12 in terms of the numbering, they skipped the numbering. They went from Office 2007 to Office 14 as sort of a as an acknowledgement of you know let's just not even mess around with this whether whether we believe it or not we don't want to have it be Office 13 because yeah. the, I mean it's not them that superstition maybe the it's consumers other people. it's yep. a lot of other people right mm-hmm. exactly we're talking about all this like bad luck stuff what about good luck charms and I, I looked into uh, the rabbit's foot which. To me, has always been kind of random, yeah. like, and also kind of cruel. Yeah. Why would you have it wasn't just? Lu- a it foot? wasn't lucky for the rabbit. No, yeah, it thanks, wasn't. Dad. <laughs> it's like, where did the amputation of uh, rabbits come from? The, the whole thing about rabbits is it has been a symbol of, of fertility because sure. they breed a lot of offsprings, and they're very. Sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you were so, trying to avoid it. I was trying to avoid it, and I was like, nah, let's they're, just say. They're fecund. They like to have yeah. sex. They are quite sure. vigorous. Yes. And so, obviously, fertility and birth, and, and it's kind of the symbol of Easter, right? Like rebirth and birth. Why particularly the foot? I thought I was going to get such a great story, but it turns out to be kind of anticlimactic because uh, within the rabbit family, we have rabbits and we have hares, right? right? And hares are one of the extremely few uh, four-legged animals whose back feet hit the ground first when running Hmm. because they have the big paws and they kind of swing. When Back in the days, when people looked at hare tracks, they kind of look weird because their, their hind feet are first. Uh. People thought they were magical. People thought <laughs> right. the hind legs of hares or rabbits 
we're lucky because it's kind of weird when they have these tracks. Mm. Obviously, don't know if this is right. all this folklore stuff. You'd never know if it's proven or not, but kind of dumb. So, <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, yeah, no, and on that note, so um, uh, a hare walks into a bar and he says to the bartender, uh, yes, I'll have a gin and tonic. And the bartender says to the hare, why the big pause? <laughs> I don't, the pause. Oh, because the pause. Oh, I'm so bad at those. I'm so bad. I'm so dumb. Well, do you guys have uh, other common superstition beliefs? So black cats are um, cute. Pretty cute. I think they're cute. <laughs> they're considered bad luck a lot of times in Western culture. Yeah. But that's not everywhere. Some places they're good luck. In Japan, if a woman has a lot of black cats, they say, oh, she'll have a lot of suitors. <laughs> <laughs> which, which it, it, ironically. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. what guy doesn't love crazy cat lady? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, sometimes they're a symbol of prosperity. Sometimes pirates um, have a, a mixed relationship with cats, or 19th century pirates did. I'm talking about them as if they were still. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, but, right. Like, still when, when you say mixed sure. relationship, I might, you mean romantic? Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're on the sea all the time. You get right. lonely. <laughs> if they're walking away from you, they're good luck. And if they're walking towards you, they're bad luck. But if they go on your ship and then leave the ship, that's bad luck. Like, there's also sorts of like tricks if you spin around <laughs> holding the cat like i don't know black cats though have this checkered history where people would kill them uh because they thought they were bad luck or associated with witches so in the middle right, ages right. they killed a bunch of black cats they would also kill the people who owned them because they were obviously witches and and this led to like an increase in the rat population and also oh. helped with, spread the black death so i were like see uh, there are a lot of shelters that don't adopt out black cats around halloween because they're worried people will torture them or use oh, them as use them halloween as... decorations oh. that kind of thing so oh. yeah Actually, August 17th is National Black Cat Awareness Day because they're, along with brown cats, are the least likely to be adopted from shelters because people are superstitious about the cats. Oh. So, August 17th. Really, yeah. <laughs> Pet some black cats. Wish them a good luck. Yeah. Find a happy home. All right. Woo. That was a lot of superstition talk. And Chris, you've prepared something special for us and special for the listeners, I believe. Thank you, Karen. I did, in fact, bring a quiz for you guys. It says absolutely nothing to do with superstition so we're just burying it up a little bit here um karen might run away with this you guys uh -oh. so all right. and dana you, you're gonna have to is it about yes it is this is this is called family dog oh Yay! and i'm going to name the fictional oh, dog okay See, i didn't grow up in america and you are going so... to tell me fictional what um what right. movie or television show or cartoon uh this was oh, the family okay. dog all right of. so I'm let's not See if you can well. get these guys. We're gonna, we'll start off. We'll start off with Buck. <laughs> oh, oh, Colin. sorry. Uh, I, I thought you said Bud. I was gonna say uh, what? Uh, uh, married with children. It was. Was it? Oh, no, oh Bud was, was the son. Was the son. <laughs> yeah, was the dog. I'm sorry, David Faustino. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We're one for I was, one. I was right for the wrong reason. Einstein. <laughs> Colin? Uh, that was uh, Doc in Back to the Future. Doc Brown's Dog Back to the Future. Also a dog in Dean Koontz's book, Watchers. Porthos. Man. Porthos. Mm. Like like uh, Three Musketeers. Yeah. Um, yes, of, like Three well, Musketeers. Think uh, science fiction. Mm. Popular science fiction television show. Porthos was, in fact, Captain Archer's beagle from Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, look up look up pictures of Captain Archer's beagle from Star Trek Enterprise. It's, it's, wow, it's that is thing. nerdy. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go back in time. Brandon the Wonder Dog. Wonder oh. Dog. Uh, is it Full Dana. House? 
It's not Full House. Their dog's name is Brain. No, no, no. It's oh, Punk- oh, it's Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster. Yes, Punky yeah, Brewster. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. as soon as you said that, I got Punky. Brand of the Wonder Dog. Punky Brewster. All right, next one. Comment. I'm oh, horrible comment. at this. Oh crap! That's Full House. Full House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comment. Okay. All right. Crypto. Colin. Is that Superman? That's Superman's dog. Makes appearance in Smallville. Uh, Eddie. Colin. Uh, that's Frazier. That is Frazier. Good job. Oh. Uh, let's throw Karen a softball. Astro. Oh. Can I buzz in? I don't know. I <laughs> throw the, Jetsons. the Jetsons. Softball. Snowy. Karen. Tintin. Yes. <laughs> the and, non-American one. And finally, Sprocket. Oh. oh. Sprocket was the dog on Fraggle Rock. What's the name Sprocket. of the dog on Doctor Who? Canine. Okay. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're in there. Okay. So anyway, I've got I've actually got a, a related challenge for all of you listeners. So I'm going to give you guys this challenge, and we're not going to tell you the answer until next week's episode. So you have until next week to try to figure it out. Then I'll post it in the comments, and uh, and we'll we'll respond in the comments if you get it correct. Um, but don't spoil it for other people. So here is the challenge. Oh. Take the name of the family dog from a popular cartoon series of the 1980s and swap the positions of two of the letters in its name. And you'll have the name of the family dog from a popular cartoon series that began airing in the 1990s. What? What are the two shows? Okay. I'll say it one more time. Take the name of a family dog from a popular cartoon series of the 1980s and swap the positions of two of the letters in the name. You just have to reverse the positions of two of those letters. Once you do that, you will have the name of the family dog from another popular cartoon series, which began airing in the 1990s. Wow. Name us the two shows. That's a good puzzle. If you can't figure it out, we will give you the answer to the puzzle on next week's episode. Oh, man. Now you're locked in. Yeah. All right. We're going to end the show with this. Wow. That's a cool challenge. Cliffhanger ending. (laughs) I know. Dun, dun, dun. All right, you guys. Uh, thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, the listeners, for listening in. Hopefully, you'll take up Chris's uh, dog challenge. You can find us on Zoom Marketplace, on iTunes, on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And we're also uh, on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> you know, we ask some cool questions, I have some cool links. You can win some stickers sometimes. So uh, see us there, and uh, see you next week, you guys. Bye. 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 jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.